0: Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would to open your copy of Scripture, the book of Hebrews chapter 1. That's where we're going to be this morning, Hebrews chapter 1. This past Thursday, a uh, call came in from um, claiming that there was a shooting at Wilkes Central High School, created all sort of Trauma and concern, and I'm going to reference that in a moment. But if it's all right with you, I'd like to begin our service today or our sermon today with a word of prayer in gratitude to God for it just being a hoax, but also for those that are still kind of dealing with the after effects of that. So join with me in a time of prayer. Our Father, we come to you, and first of all, we want to express our gratitude to you for being our sovereign, gracious, glorious creator and redeemer. And we are grateful as a community, we're grateful as a church that what took place on Thursday was uh, a hoax and not real and there weren't shots fired, there weren't lives taken. We are grateful for that. We do thank you for your protection. Lord, we also pray for all of those who uh, certainly were traumatized, many who responded from our county, from outside our county. We're grateful for the law enforcement Uh, Officers who responded so quickly. We're grateful for the administrators and the teachers at the school who responded so effectively. Lord, we're grateful that you took care of um, of our community and the other communities where this happened. We're grateful that you took care of lives. Um, We acknowledge, Lord, that we live in a world full of vile and evil and wrong things, and we pray, Lord, that justice would. Happen to those perpetrators who would bring about such a a heinous prank, if that's what we want to call it, a hoax. Also, pray for the teenagers and the teachers, the moms and dads, the administrators that, Lord, are are now trying to figure out what do we do with this. And the emotions that were felt were real on Thursday, even though the events were not. We pray for them that you would give them a sense of your calmness and presence in the midst of their circumstances and, and navigating this. Lord, we uh, we do come to you in trust, trusting that you're in control. In Jesus' name, amen. On Thursday of uh, this past week, I was with my youngest son on a field trip uh, with quite a few other parents and other children, and uh, about midway through the morning, we began receiving word that there had been a, a called-in case of a shooting at Wilkes Central High School, and I was there with some other parents of high schoolers that were there in, in that situation uh, trying to find out what was what was happening, what was going on, and uh, so moms left the, the event that we were at and drove back up, and I know many of you heard about what was taking place, and many in our church responded, they're part of first responder teams, and so they had uh, actually gone over there in that direction to respond to what was taking place, and and uh, it was quite a, a, a crisis there for a little bit, uh, and thankfully it turned out to be kind of a robocall or a hoax or whatever you want to call it that affected other schools across our state. Uh, but, but folks, I, I know this week, I know on Thursday that there were moms there on that field trip where I was at that just wanted to hear the, the voice of their son or daughter telling them that they were Okay there were text messages messages going back and forth phone calls i know there were there were kids at the school that were trying to reach out to parents and just wanted to know from their parent that everything was going to be okay that that things were fine and you know even if not in a situation like thursday i'm quite aware in my own life and i'm sure you are in your life of times where you just needed someone to speak into your circumstance, and tell you everything's going to be okay. Maybe you look for that from a spouse, or maybe you look for that from a parent, or maybe you look for that from a child or somewhere else. You just need someone to speak into your situation and say, everything's going to be okay. I just want you to know that from Hebrews chapter 1, God speaks to us at Christmas. Part of what God is doing in this chapter in this book of the Bible is speaking into our situations of difficulty, challenge, and suffering. Folks, we're not alone. We're not the first group of people that have faced difficulty, uh, persecution, fear, anxiety. In fact, we're, we're a part or representative of people all over the world, Christians all over the world through centuries, who have faced persecutions, anxieties, fears, and worries about their own life. This book, the book of Hebrews was probably written around the AD 60s to Christians living in and around Rome. Part of the occasion for the book is to encourage Jewish background believers, so people who had come through the Jewish faith, who had adhered to Old Testament practices, and who now were in and around maybe Rome, possibly during Nero's first persecution. And what Nero had done is he had targeted Christians... Some of the things he did to Christians were vile and evil. He would skewer them on spikes, dip them in oil, and use them to light the pathways of Rome, making Christians lanterns. That's what Nero was doing. And so the temptation was that some Christians, some Jewish background Christians, would leave Christianity and go back to their old faith because... The Jews weren't being persecuted in Rome at the time, just the Christians. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing to people who are suffering anxiety, real persecution, fear, fear of life, fear of losing their life, fear of death. He's writing to them to offer some kind of encouragement to them in the midst of their challenge. And he does so, and what he does is he points his readers to Jesus. That's what the author does. He, he draws our attention to Christ and to God who speaks comfort through Christ. Over the next several weeks, we're going to walk our way through the book of Hebrews. There is none greater than Christ. That's the primary message. And, and the texts of chapters 1 through 4 overlap with themes of Advent. So what we're going to do through the next three or four weeks as we move through Christmas is connect what the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews about Jesus with Advent, and then we're going to continue our way through the book of Hebrews and walk through these wonderful truths about the fact that no one is greater than our Lord Jesus Christ. In our church history, there's been much discussion about who wrote the book of Hebrews, uh, many of you have heard that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. That's been a pretty, uh, pretty uh, grounded consensus—not consensus, but idea—throughout church history that Paul was the author. Uh, although I'm not entirely sure that that's the case. In all of Paul's letters, he identified himself as the author, uh, and then he, he, the the type of language, Greek language that's used in Hebrews is really quite a bit different from the other letters that Paul wrote. Some church historians have suggested maybe it was Barnabas or Apollos or another apostle or some other uh, person that was connected to the early church who wrote the book of Hebrews. What church history does have consensus about is that if we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews as a person, we know that God wrote it through a particular person to give us a word of encouragement about who Jesus is. So I'm not going to preach it as if Paul wrote it, but I know it's scriptural, I know it's authoritative, and I know it is tremendously encouraging to us. And today we're going to look at this particular subject, God speaks to us at Christmas. Read with me, if you will, Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, and many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us, By his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, that is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did he ever say... You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers of flames of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom." Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? I want us to look at three particular statements that God makes to us as he speaks to us at Christmas. The first one is this. God tells us that Christ is greater than the prophets who foretold him. Christ is greater than the prophets who foretold Him. He uses this word long ago. It carries with it the idea of the Old Testament. One of the particular themes of the book of Hebrews is that we're going to unpack many of the images, many of the rituals, many of the religious experiences of the Old Testament. That's what the author is going to do. And point to the fact that Jesus is better than all of these things. Long ago, Christ uh, was prophesied. God spoke to us through the prophets. He's not just particularly speaking about prophets like Daniel or Isaiah or Habakkuk. He's carrying with it the idea of all the prophets of the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament. Moses and Abraham and David and Solomon and, of course, the other specific prophets of the Old Testament. Long ago, meaning in time past, God spoke to us through the prophets. That's important. That is tremendously encouraging. God spoke to us through the Old Testament. That's one of the reasons why here at our church we still Preach and teach from the Old Testament, because God spoke through those prophets of old. And there's something to be had, something to be understood, something to be understood about God, particularly as it foreshadows, as the Old Testament foreshadows who Jesus is to be in the New Testament. Long ago, God spoke through the prophets, but today, in these last days, and the last days reflect from the Incarnation until Jesus' return, in the last days, God spoke to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And what the writer is telling his readers and telling us by extension is it is tremendously important that we understand what God said in the Old Testament. But we need to understand that what God said in the Old Testament is preparing us for the primary way God is speaking to us now, which is through His Son, Jesus Christ. The most important way that God has ever spoken is through Jesus. The most important way that God is speaking to us today is through Jesus Christ. This is not an unfamiliar concept in the the Scriptures. John uses the word logos to describe Jesus. That means word. But the word that the writer uses here when he's talking about God speaking through Christ is the Greek word rima. It carries with it the idea of a spoken word. In other words, God is talking to His people. God is speaking to us words of encouragement, challenge, conviction, sometimes judgment. And certainly comfort and peace and grace. And he's speaking to us how? He's speaking to us through Jesus Christ. Christ is greater than the prophets. Christ is greater because the primary goal of the prophets is to tell us about Jesus. The point of the Old Testament is to give us pictures and images that Jesus would ultimately fulfill, whether that be the law or the temple or the sacrificial system, and to point us forward to how God speaks to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus is greater than the prophets because Jesus is the purpose of the prophets speaking. Let me say it this way: if we fail to hear God through Christ, then we will fail, fail to hear God. Folks, there are people in our relational circles, there are family members that you know and love and care for. There are people in your in your neighborhoods, there are people at your places of business that have not heard God speak. They've not heard God, they've not followed God, they've not responded to God. And if they fail to hear God through Christ, then I want to tell you, they're going to fail to hear God. They're not going to hear what God wants to say, because God has spoken through Jesus. Let me illustrate it this way. Filmmaker of a previous century, Ingmar Bergman, he, he, uh, he had this, this concept of, of, of despair and uncertainty in his films. And on a particular occasion, he recounts that he had this vision. I don't think he meant it as a supernatural vision, but this kind of image that he had in his mind, built up in his mind, where he was in the middle of a cathedral, this massive cathedral in Europe. And he found himself in that cathedral in front of an image of Jesus, a stained glass image of Jesus in the cathedral. And because in his own mind he was longing for answers and hope and some type of peace, he looked up at that stained glass image of Jesus and he cried out, with no one else in the room, speak to me. Speak to me. And of course, the vision ended with the silence of the image. And what Bergman went on to do in his films is he portrayed people who had despair, all types of spiritual themes, but in those spiritual themes and in that despair and in that hopelessness that he portrayed in his film, he left that hopelessness unanswered. He left that despair hanging and hovering in the hearts and lives of those in the movie but also those who would watch the film because the image that he had hoped would speak to him never spoke. What Bergman missed and what we dare not miss is that God has spoken to us not in an image, in a, in, in a screen or in some kind of, uh, some kind of um, uh, picture but God has spoken to us through Jesus, and He's spoken to us in His Word about Jesus. We have 66 books, 39 Old Testament and 27 New Testament books that are all about Jesus, pointing us to Jesus in the Old Testament or revealing to us about Jesus in the New Testament. Let me tell you something. If we fail to hear what God has said in His Word about Christ, we fail to hear God. Christ is greater than the prophets who foretold Him. Secondly, Christ is greater than the creation that adores him. Christ is just plain greater. He's glorious. Notice what the text says. Verse 2 Whom he appointed, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. That word heir it carries with it the idea that Jesus is going to inherit everything. It, it harkens back to Psalm chapter 2, where God invites. His Son, the King, the Messiah, to ask of Him and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. That's not a promise for us. That's not God inviting us to ask for that. What that is, is God inviting Jesus to ask for the nations as its inheritance. Jesus will inherit everything. Folks, one of the reasons why even though we live in such a terrible, wicked, evil world with such vile hoaxes and pranks as we have to live with, and not just hoaxes and pranks that we have to live with, but in some cases... The real thing taking place in schools across the world. One of the things that gives us hope and one of the reasons we have hope as Christians is because Jesus will one day inherit the wicked, sinful world that we live in and He'll make that world right. We have a hope that there doesn't have to be despair, uncertainty, worry that permeates our lives and controls us because God Himself has promised that Jesus will inherit it all and He rules and He reigns. He's the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus, is the agent of creation. And Paul says the same thing in Colossians 1. Uh, John says the same thing in John chapter 1. Jesus is the one through whom the world was created. And of course, he's not only the one through whom the world was created, but he's the one whom creatures praise. Verse 3, notice this. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. The word radiance could be translated either as manifestation or radiance, as it is here in the text, or it could be reflection. Uh, and, and here's why I think radiance is best suited for this particular uh, context. Is because the moon reflects light. The moon doesn't have light in and of itself. It reflects the light of the sun. That's a beautiful picture. It's the way we are with God. We reflect the glory of God. We don't have glory in and of ourselves, but that's not true of Jesus. Jesus is like the sun. The sun is light itself. It is exploding uh, mechanisms of light as a star would, and it's putting off heat, manifesting the glory of its own light, and that's who Jesus is. He is the radiance of the very glory of God. Now, you and I may not be able to see God, but if we see Jesus, we... Seeing God. We may not be able to hear God, but if we hear Jesus, we've heard God because Jesus is the very radiance of the glory of God. And the writer goes on even, in even more t- detail. He says he is the exact imprint of his nature. He is the very image of God on planet earth. That exact imprint carries with it the idea of what would happen when a coin would be would be stamped There would be a die with an image on that die and then the coin, the metal would be prepared and it would be put underneath that die and stamped, mashed until the image on the coin was an exact imprint of the image on the die. That is who Jesus is with reflection to who God is. Listen, you and I, and that's why in Revelation 4, John did not spend much time giving us an image of God the Father on the throne because God is Spirit. Can't see God, but God took on human flesh in the person of Jesus. The reason that's so important, folks, is this. If God were so inaccessible that we could never hear Him, never see Him, never talk with Him, if He was so far above us that there could never be a relationship, then we would be without hope. We could be like Bergman in his movies, in Despair. But that's not what God did. He didn't leave us in that category of intense separation from God as as such a holy, transcendent being. God condescended in the person of His Son, Jesus, to walk and talk in human flesh so you and I could hear from Him and know Him and be in relationship with Him. God gave us Jesus so that we could know our God and and our Lord. He's the exact imprint of His nature. Notice the next phrase, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Not only did Jesus create the world, he upholds the world. He keeps things going as they are. Do you realize that if our earth were just a little bit closer to the sun and our atmosphere were just a little bit different, we'd burn up? And if we were just a little bit further away, we'd freeze. It fascinates me how uh, how magnificent life is on planet earth. I mean, physicists and scientists study, try to study all the planets in the known solar system and planets in other places, and there are only a handful of planets that they've discovered throughout the entirety of space that they know of that could even possibly sustain life, or life as we know it, right? Because of the exact distance from that planet to the star, and yet our Earth has life, exactly as it should, because Jesus is the one that causes life to happen and upholds life. And makes it so that you and I can breathe and our atmosphere functions just so. And the moon is just so in terms of distance to control the tides. How about this one? Our earth is tilted on a 23 degree axis. It's not straight up. If you were going to make a globe and you were going to spin a globe, you'd put it straight up. But our earth is not straight up. It's, it's on an axis that gives us our seasons which allows life to be possible just as our life is possible. It allows our life to function just as it ought to function. Now, physicists and and those who study space might tell you that sometime in eons past, there 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 was a kind of a planetary explosion. Earth hit some other planet, which knocked Earth on its axis millions of years ago. Maybe that's exactly how it took place. I have no idea. I don't know how the earth is tilted, but I know that the earth is tilted just so that life takes place. Whether that happened in a momentary event at creation or God allowed creation to take place or the events of that to take place over eons of years, it doesn't matter. What matters is that our earth is tilted at a 23 degree axis and you and I are breathing and living on earth. We've got to live through the winter season. I don't know, some of you really like the winter season. I like Christmas, obviously, not as much as my wife does, but I like Christmas Enjoy this season. But my favorite time of the year is fall. Some of you, your favorite time of year is spring. And some of you would love for summer to be all the time. If you do, go to Florida. Because they have Florida. summer there all the time. We don't have that. We have seasons here in North Carolina. And I love our seasons. But the reason we're able to live as we live is because God ordained exactly how our earth functions. And currently, the Bible says, Jesus is upholding Creation with the very word of His power. He's making it so that you can breathe the air that gives you life, so that you can eat the food that sustains your life. He's controlling all of those circumstances. Folks, He is worthy of being adored, and He is worthy of being worshipped. The next phrase is this, after making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We're not going to spend much time on that today because the theme of the book of Hebrews is how Jesus is the great high priest, He's the sacrifice, and we will unpack that in detail as we move forward. But Christ is greater than the creation that adores Him. We learned last week, Revelation 4 and 5, that the creatures, the angels, the, the all of creation praises and adores Him. Why? Because He is great and worthy of our praise and our adoration. God speaks to us at Christmas and He tells us that Christ is greater than the prophets. Tells us that Christ is greater than creation. And He tells us, thirdly, that Christ is greater than the angels who announced Him. We get to the Christmas season and we think a lot about angels. In fact, this morning as, I was, as, as people were walking out, some of our little ones in Sprout, they had like little halos on their, on their heads. With little angel wings, you know, they're little angels walking away from, from church. My boys never needed those, <laughs> never deserved those, you know, if, if you know what I mean. Uh, I never did either. I mean, we, we, we kind of carry with it this idea of, of little ones being angels, but parents know better. Grandparents, they're always angels for you. Uh, but in our image, an angel has been shaped sometimes by culture or by art. And when we think of angels, sometimes we think of, you know, Cupid, a cute little fat baby with, you know, floaty wings. Or we may go back in our mind to uh, touched by an angel or, or some kind of film or representation where, where angels are kind of accessible to us, like us, or, or they're kind of cute little beings. But that's not the image of angel in the Old Testament. More than 100 times in the Old Testament and 160 times in the New Testament is the word angel used and talked about as far as angels are messengers and servants of God. And some of you will remember from remembering Luke chapter 2, what's the first thing that the angels said to the shepherds? The first thing, fear not. Why did they say to fear not? Because when you were in the presence of an angel, you were afraid. Sierra sang that, that song, and she's reflecting what Mary felt. And she was probably afraid, Mary was, because of what the angel told her. But she was very likely afraid because there was an angel in front of her. If you go back to the book of uh, Judges, when God sent an angel to tell Samson's parents that Samson was going to be born, they thought they were going to die because they were in the presence of an angel. Angelic imagery from the Old Testament is imagery that is frightening that shook the people of God. The angels in the Old Testament are described as beings that are greater than us. David said that we have been made a little lower than the angels. Angels are glorious servants of God who instill fear in when we see one. That's what the text tells us. But yet, Jesus is greater than the angels. More glorious than the angels, Who announced him? What does the text say about that? It says that Jesus has a better title than the angels have. Angels are heavenly messengers. They serve God's purposes. But Jesus is called son. No angel has been called son. But Jesus has been called son because God put him in human flesh to bring about the salvation of, get this, other sons and daughters. Others who will enter relationship with the living God. Christ is greater than the angels, not just because he has a better title, but because he's worshipped by the angels. Look at this, verse 6, let all God's angels worship him. Jesus is the one who will be adored by angels, who is being adored by angels, who is being praised by angels. The Old Testament and the New Testament, Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands, millions and millions, however many angels that are, they're going to be worshipping Christ. He is the glorious angel. One who is worthy to be worshipped, and the angels worship and adore Him. Angels serve God's purposes. They, they, they serve a, an important function. In our lives, they serve an important function according to God's economy, uh, but they serve. The Bible tells us that in uh, Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen, when he gave his testimony... There before his martyrdom, he said that that the angels were mediators of the covenant. Paul says a very similar thing in Galatians chapter 3. They mediated the covenant. In other words, the angels were somewhat responsible for overseeing or, or communicating the Old Testament covenant. Exactly how that worked, I'm not sure. But they were responsible to some degree for that. And yet Jesus is something far greater than that. The angels serve God's purposes, but Jesus is the sovereign in rule of all of God's kingdom and all of God's authority. It says that there in verse 13, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The text we read to begin our worship service. One of the most often quoted Old Testament verses in the New Testament where Jesus is the one who is given sovereignty and lordship. And that picture is a glorious picture of Jesus' sovereignty. Angels serve God's purpose. Jesus is sovereign over God's purposes. In that imagery, a king who would defeat another king, would bring that king into his throne room, lay that king on the ground, and use that king's neck as a footstool. Humiliated the king that was defeated, and, and acknowledged that that king, that sovereign, was the one who was sovereign over that enemy. should Watch this, Jesus is sovereign. He's greater than the angels, because all the enemies that you and I have, will one day be under his feet. Death, be under his feet. Illness, disease, heart disease, under his feet. Mental health crises, anxiety, fear, hoaxes, all that that does to it, be under his feet. True evil, vileness, murder, wickedness, under his feet. Presidents, Supreme Courts, Congresses, sovereigns, I don't know why we Americans are so fascinated with the British monarchy. We beat them years and years ago, and we cast off restraint, and we have our own government, and yet we're fascinated with the British monarchy. British monarchs, European monarchs, every enemy of God will be underneath the feet of King Jesus. He is sovereign. Folks, that gives us hope. That gives us encouragement, that gives us calmness because what the writer of the book of Hebrews is telling us as followers of Jesus is no matter what the world looks like around us, no matter what the difficulties we face internally or externally, whether they're things that we make up in our own mind or whether they're real things that are going on in the world, all of that will come underneath the authority of King Jesus and we as His people are ones he cares about, and, and, he, and he sends his messengers, it's what he does with the angels, to serve and protect. He will give you a story to indicate that, or to illustrate that. In his book on angels, Billy Graham reflected this particular story from a missionary in a cannibalistic country. The missionary's name was John, and, and they, were, they were trying to witness to the people who had never heard the gospel. And they were there and they had made enemies because they were telling people about a new God or the God and Jesus who would bring them salvation. And so on this particular uh, evening, the, the cannibalistic tribe that they had been trying to reach with the gospel brought all of their warriors around the house of the missionary. And they were going to take their lives. And John and his wife had no other recourse that night but to get on their knees and pray. They prayed for God's protection. They prayed for God's peace. They prayed for God to intervene in the circumstance. And when they finished praying in the morning and they looked out, there were no warriors outside their house. they all left. About a year later, the chieftain of that particular tribe, that cannibalistic tribe, came to faith in Jesus. And John the missionary looked at that chieftain and he said, do you remember that night when y'all came to kill us? Because we remember that night when y'all came to kill us. Do you remember that? Why didn't you attack us? Why didn't you take our lives? And the chieftain looked at John and his wife and he said, well, who were all those men with you? And John said, listen, it was just me and my wife. There weren't anybody else there. There wasn't anybody else there. And the chieftain looked at them and said, no, no, there were all sorts of men there. They were in gleaming white and they had swords. And we dared not attack you while all those men were at your defense. It's none other than God's angels protecting God's missionaries, doing God's work, glorifying and serving God by spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And I could tell you story after story after story of God using angels to protect His people all across the world. Now, I wish I could say God does that every time a disaster or a tragedy or circumstance happens. He doesn't. It's up to God. God's the one who's sovereign. God's the one who's in charge. But angels serve God's purposes to protect God's people. I'll be honest with you. If you looked back in your life and situation, you may have come across a circumstance. You might not say to me today, I know an angel protected me. But you might say, I think an angel might have protected me. I've got a few of those moments in my life where if it wasn't a true angel, it was certainly God's intervention that protected me, sometimes from my own foolishness or sometimes from a circumstance that was going on around. God protects and cares for His people. He does so, folks, because... Our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is greater than the angels who announced him. I want you to think about this. The angels, their purpose with regard to Jesus was announcing his entrance in the world. I mean, can you imagine being Mary? Can you imagine being the shepherds who heard that announcement? But they came back. They served Jesus while he was on planet earth. But then at the end of his life, when he had been in that grave, who was at the grave announcing His resurrection, it was angels who were serving God's purpose so that God could speak to us through Jesus Christ. And here's the primary point of the whole text. Without Christmas, without God speaking to us, we would not be able to know God. See, God is so far above us. God is so much more glorious than we could ever imagine. And unless God had chosen to condescend and come down to us and speak to us, we would not be able to know Him. reason that that matters is because the only way that we can be assured of eternal life is to know God and enter into a relationship with the God of the universe. The only way that we can know the peace of God is if God condescends and speaks to us. And since some of us this week have just wanted to hear from somebody, I'm okay, you're okay, everything's good. The communication networks are back and forth. We just want to know that everything's going to be okay. And I just want to tell you something, Christian. God has spent thousands of years through the prophets in the Old Testament, through the writers of the New Testament, and through His Son, Jesus Christ, speaking to us, telling us that if you know me, it will always be okay. Telling us that if you enter into a relationship with me, if you hear me speaking, it will always be okay. Folks, I can't promise you that you'll always have a mom or a dad to tell you it's going to be fine. I can't promise you you'll always have a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter to tell you it's going to be okay. But I can tell you this, if we know God through Jesus Christ, we will always have some with us, someone with us, the someone with us, who will tell us, it's going to be okay. God speaks to us at Christmas. Let me ask you this, all of you in the room. Do you know God? Do you know Him? Or are you here in the room and, and you're, you're not sure? You're not sure if there is a God. You're not sure even if there is a God, if He would come in the person of Jesus to, to offer salvation. You're not sure about those things. Well, I can tell you this. If you do not know God, I can promise you, you're probably not at peace. If you don't know God, I can assure you there's going to be times in your life where you're wondering how in the world you're going to make it. And ultimately, folks, if you do not know God, you're going to stand and give an account for your own sinfulness. The Bible tells us, though, that if we know God... God, through Jesus Christ, has already given account for our own sinfulness on the cross, and He offers us eternal life. And I want to beg of you, this Christmas season, this day, if you do not know God, would you come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ by trusting Him as your Savior? I'd love to talk to you after our worship service. You're welcome to come at the invitation. Welcome to talk. I will talk to you anytime, as long as it takes. If you do not know God... Will you trust Jesus to be your Savior? Will you explore what it means to know God in relationship with Christ? Christian, let me ask you a question. Do you know God well enough? I think if we're all honest, we would answer, not at all. We know God. We we trust Jesus to be our Savior. We have relationship with Him realistically we don't know him as well as we ought to know him plenty of times in my own life i act as if god's not there i act as if all the weight's on my shoulders forget that all the weight's on his shoulders that he's in control that he takes care of everything he manages everything you know where we get to know god better we get to know god better through his word you want to know god better Will you make a commitment this Christmas season to open His Word more often, to read what He says about Himself, how He tells us who He is, how He promises His greatness and His grace and His glory and His mercy and His Majesty in our own lives? And you know how else we get to know God better? We sing the truths that that mean so much to us. Come, O oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us. When we sing those songs and we remember those truths. We're reminded that. We're not alone that God is absolutely with us. Would you make a commitment to be here and regularly worship with us on Sundays? To sing God's praises? Testify about those truths? Open God's word. Hear what God has to say to us about himself speaking to us. Christian, I just want to invite you to take this Advent season in the midst of all the busyness, all the chaos, all the parties, all the stuff you've got to do, to make what we think Christmas has to be happen. Will you make time to let God speak to you so that we can know God better through Christ this Christmas season? There's nothing better that can happen in your life this year than that. Nothing. Maybe at this time of invitation you want to pray for somebody. Pray for somebody who doesn't know God. Ask God to save them and redeem them. Maybe you want to pray, if you don't know who to pray for, pray for administrators and school teachers and, uh, and, and children and students that are at schools. Praise God for his protection. Pray that God will continue to protect them. Maybe you just want to pray that you'll know God a little better this Christmas season. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with me as we conclude our worship service with a prayer. Father... We're grateful that you chose to speak to us through your Son, Jesus. As we gather as a congregation of believers, we're grateful for the Old Testament and the truths it teaches us about you and the foreshadowing of Christ. But we are so deeply and immensely grateful that you spoke to us through Jesus. Lord, I know there are some, maybe in the room, certainly people we know that don't know Christ yet, and I pray that this season, this Christmas season, would be an opportunity for them to know you to be forgiven by you, to enter into a relationship with the God of the universe who died on the cross so that they could be forgiven and redeemed. I pray for their soul and their salvation. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be faithful to tell others about Christ. Lord, I pray for our congregation members, those that are here that are struggling, those that are here that are unsure and uncertain, I pray, Lord, that they would pause long enough today, pause long enough this week, pause long enough this Advent season to open your word, to read about you, to hear you speak to them through Christ, to be encouraged and to be challenged, and to have their relationship with you deepened. I pray that that would take place in our hearts and lives this season. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You come. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.